Aren't y'all glad I didn't sing that? After performing two shows last night, uh, Kevon took a red eye this morning because his pastor asked him if he could come and sing this morning. So thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Well, back to this sermon. At the peak of Donnie Hathaway's career, he began experiencing severe bouts of depression. And in 1971, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And he was prescribed several medications. Unfortunately, Donnie Hathaway passed away in 1979 under suspicious circumstances. His body was found on the pavement below the 15-story window of a hotel in New York City that he was staying in. And it was reported that Donnie Hathaway had jumped and his death was ruled a suicide. And when it comes to mental illness, patterns of increased rates of depression occurring during the holidays have been well documented by doctors and mental health professionals for years. The National Alliance on Mental Illness found that 64% of people living with mental illness reported their conditions worsening around the holidays. Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy coming to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. But for some of us, Christmas is a time of sorrow, a time of anguish, and a time of grief and despair. Why do so many people have the holiday blues? Well, for some of us, Christmas brings tremendous financial pressures, stressful social interactions, mourning over deceased loved ones who are not here with us, a reminder of broken relationships. For some of us, we go through extreme loneliness and some of us, painful childhood memories. One way, I said one way, to get through bouts of discouragement and depression is with music. This might be why Ephesians 5.19 calls us to speak to one another in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs. And one great hymn that I want to speak to you today is a hymn entitled, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And this hymn was written by Reverend Henry Van Dyke in 1907. And although this is not a traditional Christmas hymn, Joyful Joyful has a profound message for the Christmas season. In fact, this hymn can be very therapeutic if you take, a time, take the time and go through the lyrics. For instance, stanza one says, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. 
God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Anybody's heart needs to unfold. Opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Yes, during the Christmas season, we have sin and sadness. There are clouds of darkness and doubt. But Lord, would you drive them away? Giver of immortal gladness. Fill us with the light of day. Verse 2 says, all thy works with joy surround thee. Earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee. Center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowing fountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Thou art giving and forgiving. Is anybody glad about that? Ever blessing, ever blessed. Here it is, wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou, our Father, Christ, our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Finally, mortals join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began. Father's love is reigning o'er us. Brother's love binds man to man. Ever singing, march we onward. Victors in the midst of strife. Victors in the midst of strife. Victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music lifts us sunward in the triumph song of life. Anybody need that song this Christmas? Oh, I need this song. Now, some of y'all didn't recognize that because the only version you know is the version sang by Lauryn Hill during the movie Sister Act 2. Uh, put the picture up so the brothers and sisters can be refreshed on that. That, that. That's the only one you remember where they got the rap in there. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. And in my life, I put them before thee. And since I was a youngster, I came to know that you was the only way to go. So I had to grow and come to and understand then. So I'm down with the king of the arm. I'm demanding. If you would see, who you down with see? It's all those that I'm down with. G-O-D. You down with G-O-D? You down with G-O-D? You down with G-O-D? Who's that with G-O-D? Everybody. Come and join the chorus. Yeah, we know that one, you know. But I have to ask, why is joy so critical to our well-being? Mm. Well, joy is a feeling of exuberance. Joy is a feeling of glee and inner delight. However, don't miss this. Before joy is a feeling, joy is first a focus. Before it's a feeling, and there are feelings of euphoria that come over us when we're full of the Spirit and the joy of the Lord. Yes, there are great feelings that come upon us and in us and through us, but before the feeling hits, it has to be a focus first, especially in those times where it's really discouraging. The Old Testament words for joy, there are many. These words include singing, dancing, shouting, leaping, and gladness. The main New Testament word for joy is the Greek word charis, which is why we named our daughter charis, 
because it also speaks of grace. And so when you hear charis, that is from the word kara or charismatic grace, the gift of grace. And so joy is a gift from God, a gift of his grace, something that he gives us. It's not something we can conjure up in and of ourselves. It's a gift of grace from the God of all grace. Joy comes from God working on the inside and it shows up on the outside. I may not always smile, but I've got joy in my soul. And if I have to smile, I can. Joy not only comes from God, it is also found in God. Paul said while in a jail cell, writing to the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice means I need the joy again. Uh, I, I, I need rejoy. I need a reboot on joy. And so the apostle said, it's in the Lord. Joy is related to happiness, but it's different from happiness. I said joy is related to happiness, but it's different from happiness. You see, happiness is material, but joy is spiritual. I can't get a witness. Happiness is circumstantial. In other words, if circumstances are cool, man, I'm happy. But joy is non-circumstantial. So when circumstances are against you, not going your way, you may not be happy, but you can still have joy. Happiness is outward, but joy is inward. Happiness wavers, but joy lingers. Joy cannot be manufactured in my own strength. Joy belongs to God and he uses joy to strengthen me. Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord is, will, will give you strength. And in Galatians 5.22, Paul reminds us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Well, in the Christmas story, there are some men who exude joy. And I want to look at these men today before we leave that we can learn from them so that we can have joy this Christmas season. As we're fighting against darkness and discouragement, even depression, Lord, give us joy and may your joy be our strength. Turn over to Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 from the New King James and it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men or magi from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. 
When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There it is right there. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So let's look at a couple of things from the wise men about joy that we can learn and apply in our lives. The first thing I want you to see from the text is that the wise men's joy was found in finding Christ and worshiping him. Let's start right there. Their joy was found in finding Christ and worshiping him. So if you're struggling with joy, you don't have strength because you don't have joy. You got some anger, some resentment, you've got some things going on, some heavy burdens, and you don't have joy. Well, let's begin by finding the one who found us. And let's worship him. Because these men came from the east. And the Bible doesn't tell us what country they came from. The Bible doesn't even say that they were kings. I know we sing uh, we three kings, but we don't even know that there was just three. I believe it was more than three because as they're traveling with all of those goods, you better have a caravan with you because the streets of Jerusalem, you better watch your back, player. And so it had to be more than just three dudes because, you know, we see three gifts. It had to be a caravan of those cats coming from wherever they were coming from, the east, Persia, what have you. But here's the thing. They had been traveling for two years because Herod said, let me find out when y'all started this trip when y'all saw that star. And they told him, we've been traveling for two years. So therefore, Herod went out and killed children two years and under trying to kill the Christ child. So this is not the babe in the manger that the shepherds saw. This is the child in the house that the wise men worshiped. And so they've been walking, traveling for two years. And as they're walking and traveling in this caravan, you've got the star that's leading them, kind of like the way our ancestors came out of slavery, following the north star. So they're following the star. And when they get to Jerusalem, finally, and they talk to King Herod. And what's implied here is that the star would make appearances and then it would not appear. The star would be there, then it would not be there because they rejoice when it showed back up again as they left Herod's place and it settled over the house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus was. Pastor Chris, what's the point? As we follow God, sometimes his light will be very clear. Sometimes it will seem like the light is not shining and we have to walk by faith and apply what we know until God shows up in a very real way again. I'm not coming through here. You see, God will give us the direction 
but he doesn't always give us the details. And some of us, when we don't get the details or the light shining every step of the way, we give up. And God is saying, no, act on the revelation I gave you and I'll give you more revelation. And so these guys were walking, following the light. Sometimes it would be there, sometimes it wouldn't be there. But when they left Herod's place, the light reappeared. And it shone over the house of where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus was. So when they saw the light, they rejoiced. Their joy wasn't so much in the light or the star. Their light was in the fact that the light, the star, led them to Jesus. Because their joy was in Jesus. Now dig this here. When they come into the house, they worship him. When they come into the house, they worship him. They worship the Christ child. And they knew something about him. Because when they showed up and talked to Herod, they said, Herod, we've come to worship the one who's been born king of the Jews. So number one, he's king. And Herod, a king, is threatened by this king. Jerusalem is troubled because they know when Herod has a, a, a cold, the city going to catch pneumonia. The, the, the city know when Herod is struggling, we're going to struggle for real. And thus, he's going to kill children trying to kill the Christ. But here's another thing. They said he's the king of the Jews, and we saw his star in the east. Now, I know some of y'all are accomplished. You are educated. You've done a little something, but, but, but don't none of y'all have your own star. They said, we saw his star. So when you think about the fact that he has his star, you dig a little bit deeper. He's the one who created the stars. He's the one who put the stars in the heavens and told them to stay there. Any star that falls, he knows about it. So in other words, he is the king and he is God. So there's something mysterious. Now, now, now for you deep theologians, check this out. The Bible doesn't tell us much about the wise men. It doesn't even tell us how they got this revelation about Jesus. In other words, God was speaking and moving to some people outside of Jerusalem, outside of the covenant of Abraham. He was ministering to some folk out there in non-traditional ways so they could get enough information to get up and come to Jerusalem a two-year trek following this star. So be careful the people you cancel out because they haven't come up the traditional way we have to try to say that they don't know God, you better watch yourself. Because God is not limited to how we reach people. He reaches people everywhere. The heavens declare the glory of God. He loves to communicate to people, especially lost people. And so when they come into the house, they fell down and worship this child. Last night I spoke to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I tried my sermon out on them last night that I'm giving you this morning. And I told this room of, of huge men, powerful men, wealthy men, famous men. I said, let me tell you something. We can all learn something from the wise men because the wise men are powerful men. And there's nothing more powerful than seeing powerful men fall down and worship the Christ. Oh, I should have got a bigger amen than that. There's nothing more powerful than seeing powerful men fall down and worship Jesus. What that means is, yeah, you might got power, but you don't have all power. 
You better recognize whose presence you're in. So when a big old man can lift his hands to God, that's powerful. Because that man is saying, yeah, I might have some power, but had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, and I'm not ashamed to give him praise. And not only did these guys worship him, the Bible says they fell down. Uh, the word worship means to put your face down. So they put their face down before this child. Now, I love Mary. We should honor Mary, but we're not to worship Mary. When they came in the house, they worshiped the child, the toddler, Jesus. My God, are you worshiping the Lord? Uh, you want your joy back? Why don't you start worshiping and falling down before him and say, God, I adore you. But secondly, the wise men's joy was found in the context of community. Not only was it found in finding Christ, but it was found and worshiping him, but it was also found in the context of community. Pastor, what you mean? Well, 17 times in these 12 verses, you find plural pronouns. Don't miss this, you lone ranger Christians. Don't miss this. We see they, them, over and over again. So their joy was found not only in Jesus, but in community. Look at verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's nothing more powerful than men of God being together in community. But see, we got a lot of men, though, who don't want community because a lot of us don't want accountability. You can amen that later in the car on your way home. A lot of men don't want accountability, so they don't want community, and the devil is fooling you. You see, wise men walk with other wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 lets us know that these guys had walked for two years together to get to Jerusalem. Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. What the Bible doesn't say is, what happens if you walk with fools? <laughs> I think common sense would say, if you walk with fools, you're going to be a fool. I could tell a lot about you by the people you kick it with. You can tell a lot about me by the people that I kick it with, too. And so you have some men together. That's why they were wise. Wise men go to the house of God together. You say they went into the house where the child was. And, and that just wasn't any ordinary house. That was the house of God because Jesus was there. The Bible says in Psalm 122 verse 1, uh, it says, I was happy when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And some of us aren't going to the house of the Lord because we have separated and isolated ourselves from Christians and we think it don't need all that. I don't need to go to church. Yeah, you do. You need to come to church, and, and, and the church needs you. As Donna prayed, we need your gifts. We need your talents. We need God working in you. We need your testimonies. Don't let COVID 
trick us into thinking that what happened temporarily for two years is the way it's supposed to be in terms of online worship or no worship at all. But I love these guys. They went to the house of God together. So if one of them didn't feel like getting up, the other one said, come on, man, let's go. Let's go. Get, get, get your church shoes let, or your church sandals. Let's go, man. <laughs> and then wise men worship God together. They fell down and worshiped him. Wise men escaped danger together in verse 12 because God spoke to them together. Pastor, what you talking about? They were warned in a dream. Don't go back to Herod. Keep on going to your own place. In other words, they were in community with God together and they fled danger together. Ah, I love that. And here's what I love about these guys too. Their hearts were in the right place. Their hearts were sincere. Their motives were pure. And that when they went to Carrot, they had no idea that they were in the presence of a ruthless man. They didn't know that. And not only that, they didn't have any idea that they were in the presence of a ruthless, religious man. Because he said, hey, what the Bible say? Where's he supposed to be born? Where's Christ be born? They said Micah 5, 2, in Bethlehem. Okay, so, so he's ruthless and he's religious. Sometimes those are the worst kind of people to be around. Religious people can be so ruthless. But their hearts were in the right place. And God says, I'm going to protect you. Don't go back there. Keep on moving and go back home. So for those of you who have a sincere heart, God will protect you. He wants you to be like a dove, but he also wants you to grow in being wise like a serpent. But until that wisdom comes, he protects us when we don't even know we need protection. He's a good God like that. You see, we are always better together than apart. It's been said, if you want to get to the right destination, you've got to have the right relationships. And these brothers had the right relationships. They were in community together. You want your joy back? Man, because sometimes your joy can flow over to me and help me to find joy in the Lord. Oh, I thank God for that. But then finally, the wise men's joy was found in giving to others. You want joy? Give. A lot of times we're struggling because we're so self-centered and preoccupied with what we're going through. And there's always somebody going through something a little bit worse than what we're going through. Amen. And if we could just pick our head up and try to encourage somebody else, we just might get encouraged. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 that the person who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Amen. A generous person will prosper. Amen. Well, these guys gave. But I got to go to the text because the wise men presented their gifts to Jesus, not to Mary and Joseph. I know some of y'all say, man, what's the big deal? You know, it went right over your head. But see, the reason why some people don't want to give to God in the church is because they think they're giving to Mary and Joseph. They think they're giving to the pastor and the deacons. They think they're giving to the uh, missions board and all that. No, 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 no. You're giving to Jesus in his church and Mary and Joseph, i.e. the leadership, decides how the money gets used. But you're giving it to Jesus. Back in the day when we used to write checks, 
Wouldn't it be nice to write your tithe or your offering to Jesus? But the bank won't recognize that. So you got to write it to Jesus Church. But you got to keep in mind, I'm not giving it to people. I'm giving it to the Son of God. This is his church. So, Lord, here is my offering because I know that everything I have, it comes from you. And so here's a portion. Here's my best gift that I'm giving to you. And then here's the deal. Once they gave the gifts to Jesus, Mary and Martha then used those gifts later in order to help finance their trip into Africa. Oh, you missed what I just said. Because they were going to have to flee in a minute because Herod is going to go out and try to kill the children. And so they were told to get up and go. The angel spoke to Joseph, man, take your family, take the child and go into Egypt, go into Africa. Well, how did they get there and how did they live there for as long as they did? The gold, the myrrh and the frankincense. God provided for their need before they ever knew they were going to have a need. That's how Jehovah Jireh is. But make no mistake. They gave the gift to Jesus, and the leaders then determined how the gift would be used. I just want to help somebody out today. Again, you say, I don't trust organized religion. I don't trust how they spend money. If you don't trust how a church spends money, you don't need to go to that church. I don't like how they spend money. But preach, pastor, something wrong with you. That's about having integrity that, man, you trust not only what we say, but what we do and how we handle money. God's money. Yeah, your money, but God's money. And so, therefore, when we feed and take care of the hungry and clothe the naked and help missionaries, praise the Lord. Because when you give, man, it helps those who are in need. Mary and Joseph were in need, and they were facing a life-threatening calamity but they had resources in order to live. But here's something else you can't miss, though. In those days of antiquity, when kings ruled, it was highly disrespectful to come into the presence of the king without a gift. Because what you were saying is, I don't value you if I come without a gift. But if I come with a gift, that means I value you. When Sheba, the queen of the south, came to Solomon, she brought gifts and caravans with her in order to honor King Solomon. And so when these men came, they did not want to come before the king of the Jews empty-handed. And some of us come week after week, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, even year after year, with nothing to present to King Jesus in his house. The loss is yours. The church is still going on because God is going to finance his church. But the loss is yours. You know, because while you're being stingy, you're circumventing blessings that God wants to pour out on you. What am I saying? Because I said Sheba brought gifts to Solomon in order to honor him. But because Solomon was a great king, Solomon was like, I can't let you outgive me. So I'm going to give you back more than you gave me. So when you go back home to the south, you can testify not about the gift you gave, but about the gift that King Solomon gave back to you that was more than what you gave to him. God wants us to boast about how much he gives to us. When he pours out a blessing on us that we don't have room enough to receive, he gets the glory. But some of us don't have that testimony because we don't give. 
I want to encourage you. Be a giver. That will give you joy. Why? Because one way to get your joy back is to find somebody else to bless. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. They're quoting something that Jesus said that's not written in the Bible. But they say, uh, uh, the Lord said, it is more blessed to what? Than to what? Y'all know that word. It's more blessed to what? Than to what? But Christmas sets us up to be receivers. I'm so thankful for the outreach ministry of this church because they keep us accountable and they keep reminding us that it's not just about us. They're hurting people in our community. There are people who, man, if they just get a gift card, they're celebrating. And we want to do more than that. In other words, we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's why we have joy. All the wise men, they teach us about joy. They, they, they show us that joy is found in finding Jesus and worshiping him. You want your joy back? Spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because in his presence, there is the fullness of? Oh, y'all didn't know that one too well. In his presence, there is the fullness of joy. God, I got to just get my face in your presence. Not only did they get in the presence and worship Jesus and got joy, their joy was found in the context of community. Thank God for the people that joined the church today. You're not a sheep out there alone. You're in a sheepfold. Jesus is the good shepherd. Pastor Jerry and I and the elders, we're under shepherds, man. Thank God for community. Sometimes your testimony, your touch, your hug gets me through and gives me joy. And I hope I can do the same for you. And their joy was found in giving to God so that others could be blessed. Very simple message. But Lord, give us faith to apply it. Mm. Well, last Sunday, I testified to you about my car. Walked out the mall and a van was sitting on top of the hood of my car. Just got finished preaching hallelujah, hallelujah anyhow. And the Holy Spirit gave me joy. And I said, Lord, thank you, God. You're a good God. Lady, do you have insurance? Lord, you're a good God. Thank you, God. This is just temporary. It's an inconvenience. Got through that one. Take the car in this week to get the dents worked out. Got through that one. But last week I got hit with something. Oh, Lord, I wasn't ready for it. I am in a mall, talking to the chaplain of the Jacksonville Jaguars, writing down the details for where I'm supposed to go into my day planner. Get all the details. I get up, I use the restroom. I know it's too much information, but hold on. I, I get up, I use the restroom, and, and I go and wash my hands. Uh, can the men say amen? Because there's some nasty dudes out there. Them dudes don't wash their hands. Y'all nasty. Don't you be one of them. So I put my daytime on the sink. I wash my hands. I, I then go and I dry them. I walk out and I go into the food court to get me some Chinese food. And, and I realize three minutes later, man, I left my daytime at the sink in the restroom. So three minutes later, I go back in there expecting to see my daytime. My daytime is gone. I said, who going to take a daytimer at the sink? It's got all my sermon notes in it, 
my Sunday school notes, uh, phone numbers, my dates, what I got to do, all that stuff. I still write stuff down. I'm old school. And so, man, so I go to the office uh, and say, excuse me, has anyone reported lost and found a daytime, a black daytime? No, no one's reported that. Here, take my name, take my number, man. Then I go and I find the custodians. I say, hey, hey, has anyone reported my daytime? And, and one guy, he looked at me and he smiled. I said, praise the Lord. I said, thank you, Jesus. But he didn't move. <laughs> and so then the guy he was talking to said, hey, bro, he don't speak English. <laughs> so my praise got canceled. I said, oh, Lord. <sighs> I go back to the office. Check again. Nope. I start looking through trash cans inside and outside because you know how folks are. They're looking for credit cards. They're looking for whatever. When they don't find it, they throw it away. So I'm like, maybe they're going to throw my stuff. I'm looking in trash cans. I'm glad nobody saw your pastor looking through trash cans <laughs> all up in the mall, and, 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 and I didn't find it. Man, that thing hit my heart so hard. I felt bad. I'm like, Lord, how did I do that? How did I forget? Oh, God, I hope there wasn't anything. I don't think my social security number was in there. And I'm being traumatized. I'm being tormented. And, and my joy is gone. But thank God for praying friends. Pastor Jerry, Felicia, Lasagna, my pastor friend in Birmingham, I mean in Mississippi who preached for us, uh, my brother Travis, started praying. Lord, find the daytimer, but help pastor's attitude. That thing hit me harder. That thing hit me harder than my car getting jacked up. Because, because my daytime, that's, that's personal. You know, I got personal stuff all up in there. I was hurt. But I would not have my joy if I didn't have community and people praying. And me getting into the presence of the Lord and him saying to me, are you done whining yet? Do you still have a hallelujah for me? And as I began to focus on him, knowing that people were praying for me, and I found people that I could serve and bless, my joy came back. Now, did my daytime come back? No, but my joy did. It reminds me of a very famous Christmas special, a cartoon, The Grinch, who stole Christmas. The Grinch figured that if I can just take all of their gifts, I'll take their joy. Because the Grinch thought that their joy was found in presents and boxes and packages. That's how he says it. I'm deep, I'm deep. I watch these cartoons and, and he stole everything, him and that little dog. He woke up on Christmas morning put his hand to his ear, and he was expecting to hear groaning and whining and moaning. But instead, he heard a sound. And it was a sound of joy. Somebody was singing it over here. It was a sound of joy. And they went outside, didn't get nothing for Christmas. He stole everything. He stole the ice cubes, everything. And they still went outside. And they held hands, and they started, And he's hearing praise. The Grinch is hearing joy. 
And then he gets the real meaning of Christmas from these folks who lost everything because for them, Christmas wasn't in the stuff you get. Christmas is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, I just stopped by here to say I'm dealing with a, a Grinch. I'm dealing with a devil who says, if I can just take stuff away from Chris, if, if I can just take stuff away from him, he'll lose his joy. But the devil don't know that my joy is not found in the stuff I got. My joy is found in the God who's got me. This joy I have. The world didn't give it. The world, oh, somebody help me. The world can't take it away. This joy that I, it's real. You can't fake it when you got joy. That's why it has to be a gift from the Holy Spirit working in you and through you for you to focus and say, God, I got you. As Elder Sherman say, my mind is right. I thank you that my mind is set on things above, not on things below, but on things above. Thank you, God, because all this stuff is going to get rust and moths and it's going to be corrupted. But what I got coming, moth and rust cannot corrupt. This joy that I have, the world can't give it. The world can't take it. Let's stand for prayer. Oh, get your joy back, church. They didn't speak to me. Get your joy back, church. I didn't get the gift I wanted. Get your joy back, church. It's found in Jesus. It's found in worship. It's found in community. It's found in giving to God and to others. Father, we thank you for the wise men. What a lesson they teach us, what they have taught me this week. I thank you, O oh Jesus, that you are my savior. You're the anchor of my soul, that when I start drifting, you don't let me drift away. I thank you that you are the one who keeps me from falling, Lord God, from falling, Lord, into just obscurity and depression and discouragement. And even when I get down, a, a, a righteous man may fall seven times, but Lord, I get back up again because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. We may get down, but we can't stay down. And for those who are clinically depressed, those who are on medication, Father, I pray that you would be their healer, you would be their God, you would be their counselor, you would be their comforter, that you would be the one who would remind them in the midst of all the challenges that they may be facing mentally and what they may be facing internally, that, Lord, you would whisper to them that their hearts would unfold before you like flowers and rising to the sun above, that, God, you would bless your people with joy unspeakable this season. Holy Spirit, do a work in us, do a work through us, and we'll be very careful to give your name all of the praise. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine, and it's according to the power that's working in us, to him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now forevermore and all of God's people said amen. amen and all of God's people said amen before you leave can you meet and greet some people around you and bless them in the name of Jesus God bless you and have a wonderful day